At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm Lovey Low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. You've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's one of our favorites, Jeff Parles, doing amazing work over at VSIN Monday through Friday. He's the producer of a numbers game, and on the weekend, you don't know what show he's going to be on, but he's going to be on one of them. He's done some work with Point Spread Saturday, Point Spread Sunday. Last week, he was doing VSIN Bet Center. Sometimes he's doing betting across America. Pretty much, if it's not the Greg Peterson experience, he might be doing it on the weekends. He always brings the goods. And in the second segment, we're going to be talking with him just about how he's been gauging these totals. They've been a little bit up and down and the way that he's been able to find some value there. We're also going to be taking a look at odds to be able to win the NL Central. We're both going to be making the case that any sort of a plus money price on the St. Louis Cardinals might be worth a little bit of a nibble. And then take a look at some games for Tuesday. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters CM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, and I did have to record the recap a little bit earlier than normal, right around 8 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, because you guys are out there listening to VSIN this morning, you're going to hear me as I want to do the look ahead from 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern time. If you're looking Pacific time, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. I'll also be back on there 
Thursday slash very, very early Friday for those of you guys out there on the East Coast as well. So a little bit of bonus Greg on the network this week. But with that said, let's take a look back at everything that we wound up getting on an MLB Monday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. Saw a pair of teams wind up getting shut out on Monday in the early game. The Miami Marlins get blanked by the New York Metropolitans by a count of six to zeros. Miami winds up going 0 of 10 with men in squaring positions, training 10 men on base. Not a good showing there as David Peterson wound up making the family proud. Winds up giving up six hits in five and a third innings, but doesn't allow a single run, punches out seven. Adam on a vino, five outs out of the bullpen from there, and you don't miss with the Yohan Lopez and Drew Smith. Both able to give you a scoreless inning, and for the Mets, they themselves went just two of ten with men in scoring position, but the no good, very bad, terrible year for Trevor Rogers continues. Four runs, three of which were earned, given up over the course of five innings, and for Trevor Rogers, well, he's now allowed at least four runs in four of his last six games, 583 ERA, Dylan Floro, Anthony Bass from there, both give you a scoreless inning, Tommy Nance, he gives up two runs in an inning, and the Mets at 45-24, and 24. they have the best record out there in the American League, and the best team out there in the league record-wise, that'd be the other New York team. The Yankees, they get another win. They're up to 50 wins. 50 and 17 as they wind up taking on the Tampa Bay Rays by a count of 42. Ninth win in their last 10 games. Garrett Cole wound up having a no-hitter going into the eighth inning. That got broken up and Clay Holmes allowed his second run of the season in that inning as Cole, he punches out 12, gives up one run in seven and a third innings, including just one in. Holmes from there gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning, but Wani Peralta, he winds up getting his first save of the season. He's able to pitch a scoreless ninth as Anthony Rizzo cranks one off of Shane McClanahan. 19th home run of the season, McClanahan winds up giving up just that home run over the course of six innings and a raised bullpen that has been very sturdy all season long. Well, they were not sturdy in this one. Kelvin Futcher, a scoreless inning, but Ryan Thompson gives up an unrun run in an inning and Jason Adam, he winds giving up two runs in an inning to wind up costing the team the game as you did wind up having the other team being shut out be the St. Louis Cardinals as the Milwaukee Brewers. They wind up winning their fifth straight game. They wind up taking down St. Louis by a count of 2-0 to zero as for St. Louis. Miles Michaelis coming off of a very near no-hit bit of his own. Gives up just two runs over the course of six and a third innings. He did allow a home run in this one to Tyrone Taylor. Seventh home run season, but overall relatively solid start. I'm going to spare you the old English accent. I tried to do it the first time and I couldn't do it correctly. Corbin Burns. Seven scoreless innings. He punches out ten. From there, Devin Williams, Josh Shader, and Hater back with the Milwaukee Brewers now after he was on paternity leave. And congratulations to him. Scoreless eighth and ninth inning. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Yohan Oviedo comes in for five outs on the bullpen, but just nothing doing for St. Louis in this one. Just three hits from them. You wind up seeing the DK Nation pick up the under in Red Sox and Tigers come through as Boston. They are at 37 and 31 overall, and I believe for the month they have lost just three times. Five to two. They take down the Detroit Tigers as they go four of 11th men in scoring position. No home runs, but just death by a million cuts for the Detroit Tigers as Alex Fiedo, he winds up giving up five runs, four of which were earned over the course of four and a third innings. Tigers' bullpen has actually been in the top five with regards to ERA much of the season. I think they're now at sixth or seventh, but they did their part in this one. Will Vest, Joey Menace, both give you a scoreless setting, and Tyler Alexander, one and two thirds. Saying scoreless, but 
For the Detroit Tigers, they're averaging right around 2.2 runs per game on the road. And Josh Winkowski, it's good that his name wasn't Luz Kowski because that would not make sense because he won in this one. Six and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs. Jake Diekman in out out of the bullpen. Matt Stram and John Schreiber combined for a scoreless setting. And then Tanner Elk, he was able to get the save as he winds up delivering a scoreless setting. You wind up seeing the San Francisco Giants fall to the Atlanta Braves by kind of two to one as a pair of good starts in this one. Logan Webb. Probably didn't deserve the no decision that he got. Gave up just one run in seven innings. That one run was a sole run to Travis Arno. Tenth home run of the season for him. And Max Fried matched him. One run given up in seven innings. From there, Will Smith, Kenley Jansen, scoreless innings for the Atlanta Braves. And for San Francisco, Dominique Leone winds up giving a scoreless inning before Camilio Duvall allows a walk-off hit as the Atlanta Braves. They are now up to being winners of 16 in their last 18 games. So it has been certainly a good run for them. And it's also been a pretty good run for the Pittsburgh Pirates against the Chicago Cubs when they've been at home on the road. A little bit of a different story, and we're going to be diving into that when it comes to short favorites in the next segment with Jeff Parles. But 12-1, they destroyed the Chicago Cubs. Oniel Cruz finally got called up to the big leagues for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And... Wouldn't you know it, he was able to provide four RBI in his MLB debut. Pirates go 7-15 of 15 with men in scoring position and JT Brubaker. Six scoreless innings. Tyler Beattie gives up one run in two innings before Heath Embry cleans up the ninth scoreless. And for the Cubs, they strand 13 men on base. So that was quite talented considering they only got one run. Caleb Killian, well, he was not Killian at it as he winds giving up seven runs while getting seven outs, five of which were earned. That's not great. Alec Mills gives up five runs in four and a third innings, and Daniel Norris was able to give you four outs out of the bullpen. So, complete and utter destruction of the Chicago Cubs, who have now lost 11 out of their last 13 games, make it 12 out of their last 14. And then you did wind up seeing the Toronto Blue Jays make things tight against the Chicago White Sox, but the White Sox, in the end, get the job done. 8-7 to the final. Another bad start for Jose Barrios. He now has a 5-11 ERA, giving up six runs over the course of four innings, including three bombs going deep for the White Sox. Josh Harrison, his first home run season. Luis Robert is seventh, and Andrew Vaughn, seventh home run season. Blue Jays' bullpen has not been too great either. Matt Gage gives you a scoreless setting in Trent Thorne, two scoreless, but David Phelps, he gives up two runs in an inning for the Blue Jays. Did wind up having a pair of home runs in this one as Romeo Tapia goes deep off of Sarah Lance Lynn and shock, shock, surprise, surprise, Joe Kelly gave up a home run. Kevon Biggio winds up getting his first of the campaign as Kelly. He gives up two runs in an inning, now rocking a nice 9.39 ERA. Ronaldo Lopez, two scoreless innings. Kendall Graveman, a scoreless inning. And Lance Lynn gives up five runs, three of which were earned. Clearly, he needs to get get ramped up a little bit more as he wound up having not necessarily the world's greatest start, but the White Sox, they get it done. And for the White Sox, they have now scored at least four runs and now seven out of their last nine games. And as I'm doing this, Angels and Royals tied up two to two in the middle part of that game. And we do know that the San Diego Padres were able to jump on the Arizona Diamondbacks starter of Zach Davies as he wound up allowing three runs in his first four innings of work. And for the San Diego Padres, currently dealing with Manny Machado being out of the fold, it is unclear how long he's going to be out of the fold. But Jake Cronenworth was able to go deep off of Zach Davies for his seventh home run of the season. And if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball as a whole, we're going to be bringing this up with Jeff Parles, but it was under Palooza at the beginning of the season. Now, if you take a look at the last three days, we have seen right around 51.5% of games go over, with a few games spending for Monday 200 overs to 188 unders in the last 30 days of Major League Baseball. And 
in that time span. It's been a little bit touch and go for underdogs. 161 and 242 straight up. And if you look at the favorites, especially the home favorites, they're 147 and 102 over the last 30 days, but they have been able to cover the run line a little bit better. They have failed to do so in 41 of their straight up wins because you take a look at the season to date. Overall, home favorites, they're hitting at right around 59.2%, 371 and 256. But of those 371 straight up wins, they have failed to cover the run line 112 times. And overall for the season, underdogs hitting at 39.9%, 398 and 599. And for the season, unders 491 to 458 to the over. So 51.7% of games have wound up going under the total. That's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Monday. And that's where we're seeing trend-wise coming up next. We'll dive into the trends a little bit more with our good friend Jeff Parles of VEASAN. On top of that, we're going to be looking at some of the struggles of short underdogs this season. And we're going to dive into Tuesday's slate as well. That's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. Play. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. 
I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guests as Jeff Parles doing absolutely amazing work over here at Beeson. He's sort of our super utility player because every Monday through Friday, you're able to catch him on a numbers game as the producer for one Gil Alexander. And then from there on the weekends, he's been doing a wide variety of things, everything from betting across America to point spread Saturday slash Sunday, the VEASAN Bet Center. We've seen him on the run line a couple of times. Pretty much the only weekend show he hasn't done is a Greg Peterson experience. And well, that would be very strange to see Jeff Farrell's on the Greg Peterson experience because... Well, his name is not spelt with a G in front of it because Jeff is spelt with a J. To be able to follow him on Twitter, Jeff Parles, all together. And that is Jeff with a J, once again, not a G-E. Always have to make that distinction. And Jeff, it is always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Well, great. I think the easier way to say it is that I'm not Greg Peterson. I think that's <laughs> the easiest way to say that. But as always, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I am Ron Bur- Wait, the teleprompter screwed up. Gosh darn it. I'm not Ron Burgundy, but... With that said, Jeff, what has been very interesting to take a look at, it almost feels like sometimes we do get the teleprompter wrong, is what we've been seeing with regards to MLB totals recently, because as we both know, under Palooza to begin the season, and you take a look at the last 30 days, right around 52 or so percent of games have wound up going over the total. Have you really been gauging totals? Because it feels like it's been very, for lack of a better term, topsy-turvy thus far this season. Yeah, well, again, Greg, I think it's just staying in front of the curve. We saw at the beginning of the year, books did not adjust as quickly as you would have anticipated for the dead baseball that we saw at the beginning of the year. That's why we saw under Palooza in the fashion that we did early. Then we saw the numbers didn't adjust accordingly when the runs started to come back up. So you saw, saw a lot of overs. Now you're starting to get to the point where the books have started to figure it out, but We have one little advantage, Greg. I don't know if you know this, Greg. When we get to June, July, August, it is hotter everywhere in this country, especially here in Vegas. But thankfully, there's no baseball, no major league baseball team in Vegas that would have to deal with the 110 heat that only you like, apparently, Greg. But look, say this. I think this is one of those where the biggest thing this year, and I'm not entirely sure why it's the case. Books have been a little slow on adjusting on totals. You'll be able to play the dips a little bit better and the highs when you talk about totals, Greg, a little bit easier than I think you have in the past. I'm not entirely sure why books have been a little bit slow to adjust these totals. Now, we're getting to the point where baseball is going to be the only thing in town other than car racing and golf very soon. So maybe with that, the numbers will be a little bit sharper. But while they're not as 100% sharp as they usually are, 
take advantage. Now, I know that there's someone listening to this who's going to throw this out here as well, but I will say WNBA when it comes to summertime as well, more offerings yes, on correct. that landscape. And I know that our friend Danielle Avari does a terrific job over there for anyone looking for the WNBA. She does a great job on that front, but certainly much fewer offerings to your point that certainly does wind up standing. And I do think that it is interesting to take a look at things as well with regards to Major League Baseball in terms of favorites too, because Jeff, since we've been out here in Las Vegas, something that I've noticed just year in and year out is that it feels like the big favorites, they get chalkier and chalkier. Look no further than that 2019 season where you wound up having that insane Astros versus Tigers series where the Tigers were north of plus 350 and darn near every single one of those games. And I think that that's something to take a look at as well, because the percentage of overall wins for underdogs feels like it's a little bit down this year. It's barely below 40% as we sit here right now, but it does feel like sort of the larger underdogs, the teams that I think a good line of demarcation would be a plus 175 or greater. It seems like they've been a little bit more profitable than some of these shorter underdogs, like a plus 120, a plus 115, plus 125, numbers like that. I'm not sure if you agree slash disagree with that, but I thought that that's been really interesting to take a look at this season. I think that that is going to be a great case study moving forward because I do anticipate a lot of big favorites, especially in Yankees games moving forward. Well, great upsets happen, and I mean, we're going to get to a point here where the Yankees start being three, four dollar favorites against the dregs of the American League. I do agree that again, we'd have to, we'd have to run the numbers to be certain on this. But you have a lot of even matchups this year when you have bad teams playing each other. So, like, let's take for example this week the Cubs and the Pirates. Okay, all those games are going to be lined pretty close to pick them because both of those teams stink, and neither of those teams really have a dominant pitcher at this point. So you get a scenario like that. Let's say Pittsburgh. I know Pittsburgh went off as a small underdog on Monday night. But let's say you get Pittsburgh as a – let's say, for, just for the sake of the argument, Pittsburgh's at home. You get Pittsburgh as like a minus 115, minus 120 favorite these next few games, and they win. That's going to cause those numbers, like you said, where the teams that are smaller underdogs are losing games because you end up with these even matchups of crappy teams playing each other And again, teams that are favored in that, especially when they're at home, more times than not, they're going to win their home games instead of their road games. So I think that's part of the reason. And also, too, Greg, against the good teams in the American League, the Yankees have not, except for select games against Tampa and Toronto in games in the Bronx, the Yankees have not been huge, huge favorites. So, of course, the Yankees are going to dominate. A team's got 49 wins, and we're not even at June 21st at this point. Of course, you're going to see them winning as a short favorite more times than not. So I think it just you have a lot of teams that are very similarly talented. So that's why you're seeing prices like this. The shorter favorites are doing pretty well. And then, of course, again, it's baseball. Upsets happen. $2 underdogs win more in baseball than they do in other sports. I understand what you're saying. I haven't dove into that. I do agree with you on these shorter dogs not doing well this year. But I think that's because there's a lot of very evenly matched teams, whether you're talking about bad or good. Yep, and to your point, when we wound up seeing the Yankees play host to the Detroit Tigers, I think it was two weeks ago, might have been closer to three weeks ago, they were darn near a $3 favorite in all of those games, and I do think that that is certainly going to be a sign of things to come, as we do have Jeff Parles, does a great job over at Beast, and joining me right here on the show, and as of right now, we do have a couple games that are off the board, but no $2 favorites as of right now, that could wind up changing when it's all said and done, because there are a couple games that are off the board, but With that said, I do think that it's going to be really interesting 
to take a look at some of these teams moving forward. And I'm very curious to see how Jack Flaherty is going to be able to do against the Milwaukee Brewers because you're a man that I know that a few years ago you were working out there in the great state of Missouri. And as of right now, we're finding the Brewers right around about a minus 118 to a minus 120 favorite. There's a little bit of question mark with the Milwaukee Brewers, but it was looking like it was going to be Aaron Ashby. At first, this is one that now it's thrown into flux a little bit. But with that said, I think that taking a look at Jack Flaherty moving forward is going to be very, very interesting. And I think it could be a little bit of volatile as well because he didn't wind up making a lot of rehab appearances. First start of the year, he winds up going three innings. And this is a legitimately good St. Louis Cardinals team. And if they want to reach your peak, I do think that they're going to need Jack Flaherty to be able to find it. I think the big question is, when will that be for Captain Jack? I don't know, Greg, and I think you just illustrated it pretty well in that question. You're going to see a lot of volatility with Flaherty early because, again, he's been hurt for an extended period of time. And also, too, after that massive start, I think he what, he started 10-0 and last year, right? 10 Something and like that, yeah. 10-0, 10-1. After that great start, he's not been that guy. He just hasn't been, and it's been injuries that have derailed him. So, look, I don't know how to handle him moving forward. I need to see a few starts under his belt. Before you figure out how to bet him, I'm staying off of his starts for St. Louis. And again, that NL Central race very well may end up being the most competitive there is in baseball because you're dealing with two teams that I think will both end up in the 90-win plateau, at least 90, maybe even mid-90s, if those two teams take advantage of the bad teams in that NL Central in the way that you would hope if you're a backer of either Milwaukee or St. Louis futures. But I have nothing on this game, Greg, because I need to see more from Flaherty before going one way or another with backing him or fading him. And to your point, he went 9-2 and two last season, just okay, to be there official go. there. So there was that. But I just take a look at that race as well, and you wound up illustrating it. The Milwaukee Brewers, for much of the season, I feel like have been a little bit too much of a favorite out there in the National League Central. And I don't know if I'd be willing to lay the price that we're seeing right now in terms of the Milwaukee Brewers, because you take a look at DraftKings in the NL Central, and the Brewers are still a minus $2 favorite. We don't know when Brandon Woodruff is going to be coming back. I had on the Milwaukee Brewers pre- and post-game host Matt Pauly on the show last weekend. He was saying that Freddie Peralta, he probably at the earliest will be coming back for August. This is a highly suspect Brewers offense when they're not playing against the Reds. Against the Reds, they look very, very good. But when they're not playing against the Reds, not so great. And I mean, the St. Louis Cardinals to win the division right now at a plus 145, I think that in terms of the futures market, that's still one of the best values out there on the market, especially with the way that Paul Goldschmidt and so many of the guys from the minor leagues have come up and have been terrific for this Cardinals team because I feel like they've got the better offense. And if the Brewers aren't healthy with regards to rotation, that pitching matchup, it's a little bit more equal than it was at the beginning of the season. Greg, we have learned this throughout our existence. When you doubt the St. Louis Cardinals, (laughs) it usually bites you in the behind. Because that is just a franchise, except for a few years here and there, where Mike Matheny really brought them down five, six years ago now for a few years when they missed the playoffs two straight years. But they are a team that always seems to overachieve. I mean, even last year, remember last year, Greg? They looked like they were going to go under 500 and then go on this absurd run, win the second wild card going away, and then a Chris Taylor bomb away from being in extra innings of the wild card game against a 105-win Dodger. So this is a team that knows how to win games. And you also now, and look, their pitching is a question mark. They're starters in bullpen alike. And for Milwaukee, other than Hayter, 
that bullpen, Devin Williams, too, who has stabilized the ship. There are questions in that Milwaukee bullpen other than those two. And then the starters, you documented it earlier. It's the injuries that you're really concerned about with Woodruff and Peralta. If those two guys don't come back, you may have a little bit of an issue if you're Milwaukee with your rotation depth. Look, it is a coin flip. If you can get a plus price on St. Louis, I would play it. I would play it even as low as the even money. I think they're going to have a real shot to win this division. I do think both teams end up making the playoffs, Greg. Now, could they end up playing each other in the 3-6 in the new wild card round? Yeah, I actually think that's pretty darn likely when this is all said and done. I don't disagree with you there. I do think that both teams make the playoffs. And, hey, you're going to give me a plus 145 right now to be able to have the Cardinals win the division. I think that that's pretty good value myself, as we do have Jeff Parles joining me right here on the podcast. And, Jeff, another marquee game for Tuesday I think is really interesting is out there also in the Midwest, White Sox and Blue Jays. Kevin Gosman has not looked like himself in recent starts, but I mean, still a guy is giving up like one and a half walks per nine innings. He's given up, I think, three home runs in over 70 innings thus far this season. He's going up against a guy in Dylan Sisu. He's had a couple starts that have really derailed his home ERA, but by and large, has been able to do a solid job. The White Sox, they've been able to score four-plus runs in six out of their last eight games. They are managed by a knucklehead, but with that said, right now they've been able to stabilize things a little bit more. Right now you're finding a total anywhere between eight and a half with heavy juice on the over to a nine, and the Toronto Blue Jays at a minus 130. I'm not sure about you, but what really stands out to me is the total being at either a super high 8.5 or a 9 because I just take a look at the pedigree of both of these pitchers. I do recognize that the bullpens behind them aren't necessarily the world's greatest, but this just seems a little bit too high in this spot for me. Well, look, Greg, you're dealing with Gosman, who for a chunk of the early portion of the year I thought was the AL Cy Young front runner. I don't think he is anymore, but still a darn good pitcher and a legitimate ace. Cease is a guy who, he's the Lucas Giolito trajectory. Because you remember Lucas Giolito came up and was the worst pitcher in baseball his first year in baseball. And then turned into this really good, borderline ace pitcher. Dylan Cease, same thing. Awful his first year, and has really turned out to be this high strikeout, little volatile, but high strikeout guy who could be effective. Here's what I'll say with both of these teams. Toronto has stabilized the ship enough that they're clearly a playoff team. The White Sox got Tim Anderson back gigantic. Because if he was out any longer, they could have fallen so far behind everyone that they could have been in real trouble. I still expect both of these teams to be, and I agree with you, this total probably is too high. But again, as always, in a game in Chicago, I know it's not the same as Wrigley, but you do have to monitor the wind. Because you can end up with a wind pattern that, again, it doesn't play like Wrigley, of course, on the south side, where, where Wrigley, north side, of course, wind is a massive impact because there's not much protection. There's a little more protection on the south side of Chicago and whatever they're calling that. What is that, guaranteed rate field now? Yeah. Uh, change that name too many times there on the south side. But you're looking at a scenario where, look at the wind, see if it's a scenario where you can bet this thing under if the wind isn't crazy blowing out at a high number. But if it is, it's probably a stay off. I take a look at that game out there in Chicago, and I do think that Kevin Gosman going to be able to find it after his last start against the Baltimore as well. Didn't necessarily go his way and cease. If you've been taking his K-props, you've been making yourself a lot of money this season. And Jeff, just taking a look at the board for Tuesday, is there anything else that really stands out to you, whether it be a bet that you're going to be focusing on or just a game in general, a team in general, that you want to be able to take a look at, maybe gauge them for a couple of future bets, maybe take a look at them, perhaps as a little bit of a dark horse moving forward? Can I give you a team that I don't think is a dark horse at all? Absolutely. That, that some have tried to convince themselves 
is a dark horse, and that's the Marlins. Sandy Alcantara is a stud. Sandy Alcantara actually should probably be the favorite right now, like he is for the NFL. Joe Musgrove. Yeah, him and Musgrove are the only two answers that are acceptable right now to me, Greg. So I have no problem with Musgrove. I lean Alcantara, but it's close. It's close. Musgrove's been great, and Musgrove's really going to have to shove now with the Padres dealing with not only Tatis out, but now Machado out with that ugly-looking sprained ankle that he suffered in Denver. But maybe the Mets are just that good, Greg. But after watching Miami for four games, they have the look of a team that has this great pitching. And I've seen this look with the Mets in the past, where they have great pitching, but they know they're screwed because they can't score runs. And their offense is just not good enough right now to realistically make a push. And the big problem for them is they're too deep in the hole right now. Because the Mets have the best record in the NL. The Braves, even though they finally lost two games over the weekends against the Cubs, they're a team that looks like a playoff team again. And the Phillies are playing great. I don't think you're hopping any of those teams. No less just one to get yourself back into the mix. I'm not buying the Marlins at all. Don't waste your money on those big bulleted prices. You're just making donations at this point. They play Colorado. It's a no bet. Because Colorado is just so horrible away from Coors Field. And Miami, in those bigger confines, can match up well against a team that stinks on the road. I think the eyeballs got to be, as always here, until they go on that streak where they lose games, is the New York Yankees. Because if the Yankees win on Monday night, they will have 50 wins on June 20th, which is insanity. It's insanity how good they have been. And they have played Tampa really well, a team that has been the thorn in their side the last half decade, really the whole decade at this point. The Yankees have not played Tampa well. They're playing them well this year. Nasty Nestor's on the mound for the Yankees, who has just been absolutely awesome so far this year. So I'm looking at that. I'm looking at how long can this streak go for the New York Yankees, where they just dominate and blast everything in their path, and seeing if they have a legitimate shot to reach that 117-win plateau that no one has ever reached in baseball history. Yeah, I think that it's going to be really interesting to take a look at that moving forward. And to your point about the Miami Marlins, whenever you don't wind up having Sandy Alcantara and I'll throw in there, even though he wound up having a rough start a few days ago, Pablo Lopez, he was coming back after being hit by a ball on the wrist in his previous start. I think that he's going to be a right the ship as well. If you don't see one of those two guys on the mound, if you see someone like a Braxton Garrett out there for the Miami Marlins, not necessarily too great there, but what is absolutely terrific is you, Jeff. You do an amazing job over at Sim Monday through Friday on a numbers game and then on the weekends. Like I said, you're a little bit of a super utility player. Are you going to be on the run line? Are you going to be on point spread Saturday slash Sunday? Sometimes we just never know. But what I do know is that whatever show you're on, you always deliver the goods. I believe that you were on Beeson Bet Center this last week. So just let the good people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, Jeff Parles on the tweets. This week, I don't think I'm working this weekend, which is an upset in its own right. <laughs> I'm doing some fill-in work during the week. You'll have to stay tuned for that, Greg. Yes, Jeff deserves a weekend off because this man is very, very hardworking. And takes a little bit of a look at just a tad bit of everything. And every single time he's on Visa, and he always does a great job. And every single time he joins this podcast, always tears it up much like he did today. So big thanks to Jeff Barros for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. 
Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, yeah, because you got to think, he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on top of that. that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came to my room crying tears. (laughs) I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. 
No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare zumo play is your destination for endless entertainment with a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels movies and full tv series you'll easily find something to watch right away and the best part it's all free love music get lost in the 90s with iheart 90s dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iheart radio music channels no logins no signups no accounts no hassle so what are you waiting for start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and google play stores today all you can stream with zumo play What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to get Jeff Parles on. Every Monday through Friday, you're able to catch him as a producer of a numbers game. And then when it comes to his weekend work, Guy is a little bit of a super utility player. Probably going to be getting a week off this week. But the way that Jeff winds up working, do not be surprised if you see him on a show like The Run Line. Because he has done, I think, every one of them except for the Greg Peterson experience at this point. He does an absolutely amazing job for us over there at VEASAN. Filling in wherever is needed and always brings the goods on this podcast. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore D1. I believe we currently have five games that are currently off the board due to some question marks with regards to starting pitchers. I think I've got a good handle on a lot of these games with regards to who's going to be starting, but with that said, just keep in mind that there is a little bit of subject to change with a few of these games when they are off the board, so I just want to give that disclaimer right now as we are going to be going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and then interleague games are going to be at the bottom. So let's start with 901-902 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers hit the road face off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are into Cincinnati, and they're on to Tyler Molly getting the start, and Tony Gonsolin is going to be going for the LA Dodgers. The Dodgers find themselves anywhere between minus 180 and minus 180 favorites. Meanwhile, between plus 155 and plus 175 is your price on Cincinnati. 9.5 is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. Did why I'm saying my total at a 9.6. You've got a red seam that up until the series with the Brewers, they had played out of their last 24 home games, 22 with 4 plus runs in them. They got to four just once in that last series, but have been a machine when it comes to offense. Brandon Drury has really been able to do a good job of being able to supply some power rating right around 270. He's been able to supply 14 home runs. And then that's that. Tommy Pham right around at 360 on base with nine home runs. Kyle Farmer sitting at 280. He's been able to give the team a few home runs recently as well. Joey Votto since coming off of the COVID IL. He's got an on-base percentage that's north of a 350. Tyler Stevenson has been out of the fold recently, but he's been able to do a a job hitting a 300 himself, so the Reds do have some capable bats, and in terms of home batting average, they're in the top five of the big leagues, and for the Dodgers, very befuddling. Their road ERA is like .75 points better than it is at home thus far this year, and you take a look at Tony Gonsolin, and he has been absolutely tremendous for this team. He's made 12 starts. He is now being able to give the team six-plus innings in these starts. He's went six-plus in each out of the last five, and I mean, the guy has given up two runs or fewer in every one of them as well. A combined five runs given up in his last five starts, and walks were always a little bit of an issue from five walks in those last five starts as well. He has given up four home runs in 63 and a third innings. He's got a 210 road ERA, which gasp. He's only got a 081 home ERA, but I mean, this guy's been terrific opponents earning a buck 47 off of him. Do I think that it's probably going to be a little bit of negative regression with that? Absolutely, but he has been tremendous. But with the LA Dodgers, you do have to downgrade the team a little bit with their offense because Mookie Betts, he wound up hitting the injured list, 17 home runs, hitting at 275, but got to figure that Freddie Freeman, who has just six home runs this season, is going to be able to pick it up there. He trade 
Turner both have been able to get on base. These two guys, along with Gavin Lux, all hitting at least a 285. You got Will Smith providing a 345 on base, so his power numbers have been a little bit down thus far this season. Max Muncy has had a terrible year. He and Austin Barnes hitting below the middle line of 200, and then Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, both hitting right around 210. So that has been a little bit of an issue, but for the LA Dodgers, this is still one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues, and they're going up against a red team that they're dead last in terms of bullpen ERA. Hunter Strickland, Art Warren, these guys have not been great. Alexis Diaz, he's got north of a four ERA over the last three days as well, and he was one of their more trustworthy guys. And for the Dodgers, it's been more of the under-the-radar guys, like Craig Kimbrell, along with Bruce Arter Gradrell, have not been great this season. Both have north of a four ERA, but Alex Vecchio has been able to give you some good innings. Yancey Almonte, a sub-two ERA. They get back Phil Bickford, who's been a little bit banged up this season. So I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that we should be seeing the LA Dodgers as a little bit of a favorite. I had to downgrade them a little bit with Mookie Betts being on the full, but Tyler Molly, just not a guy that I could trust in at home. Last year, wound up having an ERA of a 230 on the road, and it was north of five at home. Very befuddling as to why he's been just so much worse at home than on the road. It is a little bit of a bam box out there in Great American Ballpark, but even this year, five home ERA, 378 road ERA, five out of his seven home runs surrendered. They have come at home, so a little bit of an issue for a guy that he does a good job of being able to get swings and misses with right around 10 and a half to 11 strikeouts per nine innings. If you're taking a look at the run line of the LA Dodgers in the spot, you're going to be laying right in the neighborhood about a minus 120 to a minus 125. I'm willing to lay the minus 120 run line that I am seeing right now, so I'm going to be going with the Dodgers, laying a run and a half in this spot, and I set my total at a 9.6 with the way that the Reds just have not been able to hold teams down in general, so I'm looking at an over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the run line of the Dodgers. 903-904 on the betting board, the Colorado Rockies. They're on the road facing off against the Miami Marlins, says Daniel Cassandra is going to be going for the fish. And you've got Ryan Feltner, who's going to be on the bump for Colorado. Anywhere between 8 and 8.5 and is your total. On the 8, over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even at minus 110. On the 8.5, under is minus 120, and the over is even with Miami. They are anywhere between a minus 120 and a minus 130 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Colorado, anywhere between even money and plus 115 is the price on them. And for Ryan Feldner, he has been able to do a solid job of being able to get some swings and misses. Right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings. You take a look at his last four starts. He's given up two runs or fewer in three of them, so it's actually been a little bit encouraging, and he's got a 394 road ERA compared to a 630 home ERA, so sort of the splits that you'd be expecting from any normal pitcher, but that said, I did wind up setting the Miami Marlins at a minus 143 because you do have a Rockies team that they hit right around 35 points lower on the road than they do at home, and for the Colorado Rockies, it's a bottom three bullpen in terms of the big leagues, and on top of that, Tyler Kinley, really their most trustworthy reliever. It looks like he is out for the rest of the season. You just take a look at the way that a lot of these guys have been pitching on the road, and it has been pretty ghastly bad. Daniel Bard has been able to pick, figure out his home and road splits, but with that said, Ty Block has a 7 ERA. Lucas Gilbreth has a 9 ERA. Robert Stevenson, Justin Lawrence, they both have ERAs above 7, so I mean, it's been a really bad bullpen. And for the Miami Marlins, Lewis had looked no further than him when it comes to bad bullpens. He wound up entering into the month of June with a 1-1-2 ERA. It is now north of a six, but you do have a Miami Marlins team that even without Asus Aguiar and Asus Sanchez, you still have Orde Soler. His batting average has been down, but he's been able to give the team 12 home runs. As a matter of fact, Soler along with Avicio Garcia, you're able to throw in there the currently injured Asus Sanchez, Jacob Stallings, Miguel Ross, all these guys hitting at 230 or lower. It's been a little bit tough, but Garrett Cooper, he's got nearly a 380 on base for the team. Jazz Chislam, he's seen a little bit of a dip in his batting average, but has been able to supply 
13 home runs. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the Colorado Rockies and C.J. Crone has 16 home runs thus far this season, but 12 of them have come at home. I believe that Brendan Rodgers has had every one of his home runs wind up coming at home thus far this season. So that is a little bit of an issue for this team. Ryan McMahon is sitting at 211 on the road as well. So you got some very demonstrative home and road splits when it comes to Colorado Rockies. And I do think that they are going to wind up biting them in the butt in for Cassano. First start of the season went very well from six and two thirds hanging scoreless against Philadelphia. Always has been a relatively steady guy. Not a guy that has ever been able to get a lot of strikeouts at the big league level. Five punch outs and 10 and two thirds innings between that start and some long relief appearances for his career right around four and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Gives up right around three walks per nine. Doesn't wind up giving up a heck of a lot of hard contact. So a guy that he's able to go out there. He's able to hold down the fort in a pitcher friendly ballpark. I think that that's going to play quite well. Did mind saying my total at an 8.2. I personally would rather have an 8.5 under rather than an 8 over. This is going to be a little bit of a juice play though, but I'm going to be taking a look at an 8.5 under personally with the way that the Rockies hit on the road and with the Miami Marlins, one to lay up to a minus 143 with them. 905-906 on the banking board. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they're going to be playing OC Chicago Cubs. Matt Schwimmer is going to be going for the Cubs and Roncy Contreras is going to be on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh in between minus 128 and minus 140 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Cubs, it's anywhere between plus 115 and plus 122 and your draw on this game is 8.5 over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 with the Buccos was willing to lay up to a minus 131 with them so seeing a lot of minus 128 minus 130 that's pretty much a max I'm willing to lay with them but I am going to be willing to lay it we wound up seeing Mr. Schwarmer in his start in the Bronx a few weeks ago give up six home runs in a start that's not necessarily too terrific you got to figure that there's going to be a little bit of positive progression with regards to his home runs per nine rate which I'm not even kidding here is right around a 4.3. He's given up 10 home runs in 20 and two-thirds innings. His walks per nine rate is a little bit concerning as well. He's given up right around four walks per nine. He's able to get some good swing and miss stuff, but certainly it's been a rude awakening to the big league level for him. And for Ronzi Contreras, young 22-year-old that I actually really do like, he's got some pretty electric stuff. He's been able to get right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings. He's given up the deep ball a little bit himself. Four home runs given up in 32 and two-thirds innings. You do take a look at what he's done at home, and, and it's a small sample size. 13 and two-thirds innings. He's made two starts and a long relief appearance. He has given up zero runs. Everything that he's given up has come on the road. Now, I do think that there's going to be some negative regression with that, but that said, he's been able to do a nice job holding down the fort at both of these bullpens. Not necessarily so great, though. I will say for the Pittsburgh Pirates, I believe that now all but five of their wins have come out of the bullpen this far this season. David Benar has been terrific for the team. J.C. Young, he's been able to give you a two-ish ERA. Now, you've got guys like Heath Embry, Chris Stratton that have north of a five ERA, but with the Pittsburgh Pirates, they finally did it. Oniel Cruz is up at the big leagues, and he got a start yesterday. That should be able to help the team out. Very good prospect. Jack Swiznitsky ended up having a little bit of a fluky three-home run game a few days ago, but now he's been able to give the team a double-digit bombs. 11 home runs and 19 RBIs sort of shows how the guys in front of him are getting on base, and he's only hitting right around 230, but he's been able to provide a little bit of something to Brian Hayes. He's hitting at 270. Michael Chavis, a 260, along with Hoy Park, who's now hitting at 260. So, we actually got a couple guys that are doing a solid job of reaching base. Brian Reynolds hitting above a 300 over the last 30 days. And for the Cubs, you do have guys that find a way to be able to move the line. As you've got Wilson Contreras with right around a 390 on base. He's been able to supply 12 home runs as far as this season. Patrick Wisdom has 12 home runs as well, but he, Jonathan VR, Jason Hayward, Alfonso Rivas, all these guys are a 220 or lower, but Rafael Ortega right around a 350 on base. You've been able to have Ian Happ get on base at right around a 380 clip. 
And then I've been very impressed by Christopher Morrell. Leadoff hitter is hitting right around 260, but the bullpen after they began the season, quite solid. It's been really regressing on the team. Michael Gibbons now is north of a four ERA. Alec Mills, the long guy, along Daniel Norris. Both of these guys have been just absolutely terrible for this team. Both of these guys have north of a seven ERA. Rowan Wick has seen a big time increase with regards to his ERA as well. So this is a spot in which I do think that the Pirates should be a moderate favorite. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 130 with them. And then when it comes to this Total. I do wind up saying it at an 8.6. You've got some players on the Cubs that are able to get on base. I do think that Onyel Cruz is going to be able to help out this Pittsburgh Pirates team. And Schwarmer, he's given up a bunch of bombs. I do think that Contreras is doing for a little bit of regression. So looking at an 8.5 over and looking at the Buccos. 907-908 on the bang board. The San Francisco Giants hit the road face off against the Atlanta Braves. Spencer Strider is going to be going for the Braves. As I do this podcast, it is to be determined for the San Francisco Giants. But all signs point to Anthony D. Scalfani being able to make this start. And if we do wind up getting DeScalfani against Spencer Strider, I'd be sending Strider a minus 140 favorite, and I'd be making the total to wear a 9 or less. I'd be looking at an over a 9.5 or higher to the under with DeScalfani. You just don't really know what you're going to be able to get out of him because last season in games in which he did not wind up facing off against the... LA Dodgers, they were really his main kryptonite. He wound up actually having an ERA that hovered right around a three. So as long as he could avoid the LA Dodgers, this guy was actually really, really good. But with that said, with Anthony Diascalfani, we have not seen this man in quite a while. He made three starts in the early part of the season. He's been on the injured list for quite a while. Did wind up making a couple rehab appearances over there with Sacramento in two starts. He wound up going five and two-thirds innings. He looked pretty good with regards to the swing and miss stuff, but he was giving up a lot of contact. Five walks per nine innings, so that's not actually too terrific. Now, that is a juice ball leg, so that winds up hurting him a little bit, but certainly you'd like to see a little bit more there. And for Spencer Strider, the command is all over the place with him. This is a gentleman that is giving up right in the neighborhood about 4.2 to 4.3 walks per nine innings, and he's got a very interesting mustache, to say the least, but what else is interesting is the way that he's able to keep the ball in the yard. He's given up right around 0.4 home runs per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate, that is hovering right in the neighborhood about 13 and a half. He has been flat out nasty. If you just find a way to give it a little bit more command and thus be able to get deeper in the games, that'll be big. But the Atlanta Braves do back him up with a top-down bullpen out there in the big leagues, even with Tyler Mazikert. You've had A.J. Minter be able to supply some good innings. Zone Lee has a sub-1 ERA. Will Smith, Darren O'Day, they're a little bit interesting, but even someone like an Asus Cruz has been able to do a good job for this team. And for the San Francisco Giants, just one guy going into the game yesterday had eight-plus home runs. That would be Jack Peterson. He's been able to do a nice job as he, along with Mike Yastrzemski, Thario Estrada, only between about a 262-270. Tommy Lasell, Evan Longoria, they're back in the fold. That should be able to help them out a little bit. And Luis Gonzalez has been able to 300, but it's not necessarily been the same firepower with regards to what we've seen in past years for the Giants, but they just find a way to be able to scrap out runs. How or why? I really don't know, but Gabe Kapler has done a great job of you know, managing this team. And for the Atlanta Braves, you've had Travis Arno do a very solid job for this team as he, Austin Riley, Matt Olson, all in that pocket about a 250 to 265. And for Travis Arno, 10 home runs and limited at bats thus far this season. Ronald Cunha Jr. He's got a 375 on base. Sainsby Swanson is sort of in that fold as well. And Swanson hitting nearly a 300. Michael Harris, the second along with Orlando Arcia, have both been hitting right around a 300. 
Arcee has been getting starts with the injured Ozzy Albies, and he's been terrific. And where the San Francisco Giants' big trepidation that you do have is that this bullpen just has not been what it was last season. Last season, they were the only bullpen with a sub-3 ERA, and would not be surprised if we wind up seeing quite a bit of Sammy Long. He winds up starting a lot of their bullpen games, wound up going one and two-thirds innings on Sunday. you got to figure that he might be a candidate to wind up seeing multiple innings here. Camilo Duvall, Jarla Garcia, both of these guys posting up sub-275 ERAs. John Brebby has been solid, but Tyler Rogers has had a little bit of a rough go of it this year with right around a 5-ish ERA. Zach Liddell has not necessarily been too terrific. Dominique Leone has been a little bit up and down. He's starting to find it a little bit more, but with that said, in D. Scalfani versus Strider, I'd be willing to set Spencer Strider at a minus 140 and a 9 or less, looking over 9.5 for higher to the under. As we go 9.09.9.10 on the bang board, it is the St. Louis Cardinals in the red face-off against the Milwaukee Brewers. It is going to be Captain Jack Flaherty on the bump for the Cardinals, and it was supposed to be Aaron Ashby going for the Brewers. He wanted getting placed on the injured list late, and when this game wound up going off the board, the total was 8.5 pretty much across the board, and the Milwaukee Brewers were finding themselves right in the pocket about a minus-120 favorite. St. Louis, anywhere between even money and plus-110. Right now, it's looking like you're probably going to be getting a bullpen game for the Brewers, and I think that you're going to see a lot of Chichi Gonzalez and or Josh Lindblom. I've right now got Chichi Gonzalez as my starter, and well, when it was supposed to be Aaron Ashby, I had the Brewers at a minus-134. I've got him at a plus-108 with Chichi Gonzalez, so about a 40-cent differential there, and when it comes to Chichi Gonzalez, this guy is probably not going to be able to go more than three innings because he just flat out sucks. I mean, I wish I could put it any other way, but the fact that Chichi Gonzalez might wind up getting a start for the Milwaukee Brewers, that is not good news for them at all. A former first-round pick that has just never been able to work out in the big leagues. You take a look at Mr. Gonzalez, and he actually wound up getting a couple starts earlier in the season for the Minnesota Twins. Went seven innings, gave up six runs, including two home runs. Good news is he didn't wind up issuing any walks as command throughout his career has been a little bit of an issue. Right around four walks per nine innings has never been a good swing and miss guy. Has always been a guy that's given up the deep ball. I'm trying to think of good things to say, and they're really not coming to me, but for Captain Jack Flaherty, first start of the year, comes against Pirates, he goes three innings, gives up two runs, not necessarily terrific there either, and for Jack Flaherty, I think that he could become a trustworthy guy in about a month or two. He is trying to work his way back, he wanted to make a couple rehab appearances, but he didn't wind up going deep in those at the minor league level as well, so he's trying to build himself up on the fly, which is why I only set the Cardinals at a minus 108 favorite, if it is he versus Chichi Gonzalez and or Josh Lindblom, and you do take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals lineup, and I mean, it is very fearsome. You've got Paul Goldschmidt doing absolutely amazing work for this team, as he's hitting right around a 340 double-digit amount of formers. He has been amazing. Nolan Arenado going into what we wound up seeing yesterday, 13 bombs, hitting at 275, and then you've got some of the younger guys stepping up. Juan Yepes, Harrison Bader, Tommy Edmond, all in between about 270 to 285. Nolan Gorman has been able to hit 255, so got a lot of guys that have been solved for the team, or for the Milwaukee Brewers. In their signing lineup yesterday, you had one guy hitting above a 255, and that would be Omar Nervias. Now, Hunter Renfro has been able to figure it out. He, Rowdy Tillis, Willie Adamas, all have 11 plus home runs for the team, and all these guys other than Adamas are hitting at least a 250. Andrew McCutcheon has worked his way up to a 245 batting average. Christian Yelich is in that pocket as well. Yelich certainly not looking like the former MVP, but it's looking a little bit better, and for the Brewers, they do not have Josh Hader back in the fold, so if they do wind up having a lead late, he's able to protect it from. That is absolutely massive. He was on the paternity list last week. Obi Milner has been able to do a solid job out there in the bullpen, but Trevor Kelly is right now rocking right around a 7-ish ERA. He is not necessarily been too terrific. Trevor Gott 
currently is on the fold for the team and for the Cardinals. You take out the innings thrown by Albert Pools along the Adi Molina. It's a halfway decent bullpen. TJ McFarland along with Nick Wickren have not been able to do a solid job this season, but Ryan Helsley, sub one ERA. Genesis Cabrera is able to give you multiple innings, sub 250 ERA. Giovanni Gallegos, after a rough start to the season, he has really been able to pick it up, buck 80 ERA over the course of his last nine appearances, 30 days overall. So I do like what I'm seeing there. So in Flaherty versus Chichi Gonzalez slash bullpen game slash shots Lindblom. I want to say the Cardinals at a minus 108 in this spot. Nine or less would be looking at an over. Nine and a half or higher would be looking at an under. As we go to 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board, the San Diego Padres are going to be playing O.C. Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Gellin is going to be going for the Snakes. And Sean Mene is going to be on the bump for the Padres. This is a game that is presently off the board. And my inkling on that is probably because People are wondering whether or not Manny Machado is going to be play in this game. I am thinking that he is going to be out for, at the very minimum, the next few days. So that is a little bit of an issue for the team. And in this case of Gallon versus Manea, I did wind up saying the Arizona Diamondbacks at a plus 122. And maybe my total is 6.9. At 6.5 or less, I'd be looking over 7 or higher to the under. Zach Gallon has been able to do an absolutely amazing job with this Arizona Diamondbacks team. Two runs or fewer given up in 10 out of his 12 starts now. Two plus runs given up in each out of his last five, so he has seen a little bit of a sign of regression, but what has really been big for him, he's been able to keep down the walks this year. Right around 2.2 walks per nine innings thus far this season after last year. That was more around 3.6 walks per nine. He has also been able to do a nice job of keeping the ball in the yard right around .9 home runs per nine innings. You take a look at his home and road splits, and it's been a little bit worse on the road. 352 road ERA, 257 home ERA, but by and large has been able to keep the contact soft. Opponents starting a 204 off of him, and for Chaminea, you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him night in and night out, and he's actually been worse at home than he has been on the road. 415 home ERA, 380 road ERA, and with Manea, 10 home runs given up in 73 innings. I remember talking to Alex Fass of Pitcherless, and he's been telling me that Sean Manea has been seeing a little bit of fluctuation with regards to his velocity, which has hurt him a little bit. His walks per nine rate is hovering in that pocket about 2.9 to 3, so nothing great, nothing terrible. And you do take a look at this Padres team. Without Manny Machado in the fold, you really don't have too many guys able to supply too much boom. You've got one guy in the starting lineup from yesterday that was sitting above a 258, and that would be... Eric Cosmer, other than Noah Mazar, just because Mazar hasn't had a lot of at-bats, but I will say in his 49 at-bats, he's hitting a 327, but got guys like Austin Nola, Hassam Kim, Trent Grisham, C.J. Abrams. These guys hitting at 230 or lower, and I will say Drickson Profar is hitting right around 250. He's found a way on base, and Jake Cronenworth, after he had a pretty ghastly bad start to the season, he all of a sudden has been able to pick it up over the last 15 days. He's been able to hit a 400 over the last 30 days, 400 on base. So that has been big for the team for the years in the Diamondbacks. They're averaging a little bit over 1.5 home runs per game on the road. That is number two in the big leagues to only the Philadelphia Phillies. And Christian Walker is a big reason why. He's been able to supply eight home runs on the road thus far this season. 18 home runs overall now. He's hitting at the Mendoza line of 200, but all of a sudden this team has been able to find Guys are able to get on base. Alec Thomas is hitting at 275. Ketel Marte has been a little bit banged up, but he, Josh Ross, Dalton Varshaw, all in between about a 240 to a 255. David Peralta has seen a little bit of uptick in his numbers as well. Varshaw and Peralta both between 8 and 9 home runs. And then you saw Buddy Kennedy get a grand slam on Father's Day for his first career home run up-and-comer that I think is going to be able to do a solid job for this Diamondbacks team. Now, the game that you always play with the Diamondbacks is that this bullpen stinks. A bottom-eight bullpen in terms 
of ERA. Joe Manatipo has been amazing. Sub 1 ERA, but Noye Ramirez is right around a 5-ish ERA. Sean Pop and Kyle Nelson, you're able to trust in them. You're unable to trust in J.B. Wendell, Kendall Long, Caleb Smith, though. And for the standing Diego Padres, a little bit touch and go with them as well. Taylor Rogers has 20 plus saves thus far this season, and Debo Crisman has been able to show the ability to be able to give you multiple innings. Adrian Mortahone, jury's out a little bit on him as to what he's going to be able to provide you. Craig Salmon has had a little bit of up down season, though I will say, for Craig Salmon, you take a look at what he's been able to do recently, and he's been able to round into form just a little bit more, but certainly has been an up and down year for him. So, in the case of Gallon versus Sean Manea, figuring that we're going to be without Manny Machado to wind up setting the Padres, minus 122 and 6 after less looking at an over 7 or higher to the under 913-914 on the betting board it is the New York Yankees on the road facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Looks like it's going to be a bullpen game with Josh Fleming featured for the Tampa Bay Rays which is why this game is off the board and Nestor Cortez is going to be on the bump for the Yankees with no numbers up I had to create my own and with it being most likely Josh Fleming and the bullpen of the Rays wound up setting the Yankees at a minus 148 in this spot with Nestor Cortez. I do have a little bit of a fear that he's going to get figured out a little bit more. He's been relying a lot upon manipulation and timing, but I mean, the guy has been flat out terrific. Other than really that start against the Minnesota Twins a week or two ago, this guy has been dealing buck 94 ERA, six home runs given up in 69 and two-thirds innings. His strike Esper nine rate is just below 10, even on the road, 236 road ERA, so he's been able to do a nice job there. And on top of that, he's given up right around 2.2 to 2.3 walks per nine innings, so he's done a great job of being able to hold down the fort, and he's going up against the Tampa Bay Rays team that they're just not supplying a lot of boom right now, and as is customary for the Tampa Bay Rays, they average fewer runs at home than they do on the road. You take a look at the team in general for the Tampa Bay Rays, and you got guys that are getting on base for you. As Harold Ramirez, G-Man Choi, Manuel Margot, they're all in between about a 280 to a 300 Randy Rosarena. He's seeing about a 250 and Yandy Diaz right around a 400 on base, but you take a look at the slugs on this team. as You've got Isaac Parade along with Brett Phillips, Vidala Brujan, the catcher in Mr. Rene Pinto, Mike Zanino, who was so good last season, Josh Lowe, all these guys hitting a 200 or lower, and with Zanino seeing a drop-off with regards to his home runs, that has been an issue as well, and, well, there's no shortage of power for the New York Yankees. Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo by themselves have 44 home runs this season. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. And then you wind up throwing there Glaber Torres and Giancarlo Sin. They've got to combine 25 bombs. They're hitting between 255, 265 apiece. Aaron X is all of a sudden giving you a 350 on base. I know that many Yankee fans don't necessarily like him, but he's been able to provide a little bit of something. And when needed, Matt Carpenter has been able to give you some production. And then you take a look at this Yankees bullpen. They're in the top three. In terms of bullpen ERA, you've had Clay Holmes be able to provide right around a 0-28 ERA. Wandy Peralta has been getting lit up a little bit more recently, but Michael King is able to give you multiple innings. You've even had some good production from someone like a Clark Schmidt who wanted making an impromptu start a couple days ago. And for the Rays, you always know that this bullpen is going to be rock solid. Jason Adam, a sub on ERA. They've been dealing in injury to J.P. Fireisen, but even Colin Pooch has been able to provide you a sub-2 ERA. You've had a little bit of a touch-and-go season with someone like Ryan Thompson, but Ralph Garza Jr. has been able to provide some good long relief as well. Matt Weisler right around at 230-ish ERA, and then you take a look at the man that is most likely going to be seeing the bulk of the innings here, and that would be Josh Fleming, and I just have not been impressed by him thus far this season. It's been a case in which 
you really thought that he was going to be able to bust out. He's made six appearances thus far this season, 638 ERA. And for Josh Fleming, I just feel like he's one of those guys for the Tampa Bay Rays. They have so many, like, Picassos in which they wind up just turning something into magic. He has been the opposite opponent, starting a 329 off of him. He has only given up two home runs at 18 and a third innings, but his walks per nine is right around a four and a half. And you go back to last season where he wound up having a five-ish ERA. He wound up having those command issues as well with right around 2.8-ish walks per nine and his opponent set at 270 off of him. He really doesn't get a lot of swings and misses, so this is a spot in which, if it does wind up being Fleming and the bullpen against Cesar Cortez, wind up setting the Yankees at a minus 148 and maybe a total at 8.3 to wear an 8 or less, looking at an over 8.5 higher to the under as we wind up going to 915-916 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers, they are going to be on the road facing off against the Boston Red Sox as Rich Hill is going to be towing the rubber for the Red Sox and Bo Brisky is going to be on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is finding themselves as an underdog. You're going to be getting them between plus 155 and plus 171. Meanwhile, on Boston, it's anywhere between minus 180 and minus 186. Nine is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. Set my total at a 9.8. I don't take a lot of overs when it comes to Detroit Tigers games. And as a matter of fact, the DK should pick yesterday was on the under in this game. But the Detroit Tigers entering into Monday, averaging 2.2 runs per game in road games. It has not been too spectacular for them. Now, they did wind up plating 21 runs in their final two games against the Texas Rangers in that series, but you just take a look down the list. You've got Spencer Torkelson, Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Robbie Grossman, Javi Baez, Throw in there, Eric Haas. I mean, the list goes on and on. Kobe Clemens, guys hitting at 215 or lower. It's been terrible. Now, Victor Reyes has been able to ride around a 300. Miguel Cabrera, not far from hitting a 300. Not walking a lot, not providing a lot of homers, but he's been rock solid for the team. And then you do take a look at the Boston Red Sox, and boy, you've got Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, only between about a 325 to a 340. And for Rafael Devers, the man has really been supplying the boom as he entered into Monday with 16 home runs. Jaron Duran has come up to the big leagues. He's hitting right around a 300 for the team. Christian Vasquez has been able to give you some good production now. You need more out of guys like Trevor Story, Franchi Cordero, both of these guys hitting below a 230. But even Jackie Bradley Jr. has picked it up a little bit with the bat. And I just take a look at Bo Brisky. He's got an ERA that actually is relatively respectable. It's a 379. His fielding independent is nearly two points higher. This guy is doing for some massive regression. He doesn't get swings and misses. He gets right around five and a half to six strikeouts per nine innings. He certainly gives up the deep ball. He gives up two home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is north of three. And yet he's sitting here with a 379 ERA. The guy has been really stinking lucky to this point. And Rich Hill is not necessarily the guy that you want to be trusting him too much for an under either. He's been able to limit the walks right around 2.4 walks per nine innings. His home runs per nine rate hovers right around a one-ish but I mean, opponents, they're starting to tee off on them. Opponents are hitting right around 252 off of them. And at home, that winds up going to a 300 as his homie are in five starts, 717. So a Tigers team that all of a sudden they've been able to find a little bit more with regards to the bat. I do think that they're going to be able to take off now. This is a Tigers bullpen that entering into Monday, they were seventh in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. And you've got a lot of guys that are doing a great job of slinging it for them. Alex Lang has been able to provide right around a two ERA with Michael Fulmer, Will Vest, Gregory Soto have been great in the eighth and ninth inning as well. And then you've got William. Peralta with right around 2-ish ERA, but you take a look at the Boston Red Sox and Tyler Danish has been able to do a nice job for this team. He and Austin Davis have both been able to provide a sub-3-3 ERA. You have seen a little bit of touch and go with regards to Ansel Robles, especially with him being able to stay healthy, but he's been solid. Eddie Cousins out of has been able to give you some good energy on Schreiber. South of 
play two ERA as well. So I do mind saying the Red Sox is a very, very sizable favorite. I think that they get to Brisky and I think that they light him up and I think that they light him up hard. Willing to take the Red Sox on the run line more around a minus 125 because I think that this is going to be a very high scoring affair. Find this any routine, even money and plus 105. I'm going to reduce the juice, take the Red Sox to win by multiple runs because I think that it's going to be a little bit of a slugfest here. So my total at a 9.8 as well. So going over and going Red Sox run line. 917, 918 on the bang board. The Cleveland Guardians, they are going to be in the road face off against the Minnesota Twins as Aaron Savali is going to be going for the Guardians and Joe Ryan is on the bump for the Twins. Currently no numbers up on this game. Was a little bit of a question mark as to whether or not we were going to get Mr. Aaron Savali in this game, but since we are getting Aaron Savali, I did wind up making this the Twins minus 167 on the money line, minus 113 if you're looking to lay a run and half and set my total at 7.9, which means Seven and a half or less, I'm going to be looking at an over and an eight or higher. Going to be taking a look at an under end with Joe Ryan. He's been able to do a nice job of being really a steady guy. He doesn't necessarily do one thing great. He doesn't have some ridiculous strikeouts per nine rate. He doesn't have some ridiculous walks rate as he gives up right around 2.9 walks per nine innings. A little bit under a home run per nine. His strikeouts per nine rate is right around an eight and a half. He just does everything relatively well. He finishes his pitches. He executes. He keeps the ball in the yard. That's all that you can ask out of him. Home ERA of a 3, 267 on the road. So, I mean, fairly consistent from ballpark to ballpark. And then you take a look at Aaron Savali, and it has been going not so great for him. He did wind up doing a solid job in his last rehab appearance. He got seven strikeouts in four and two-thirds innings for Columbus, and I believe that he wound up giving up an unearned run or something like that. So he actually looked really good in that spot, but you take a look at Aaron Savali just throughout his career. He's never been able to get swings and misses. He's been relying a little bit on soft contact, and he hasn't induced that this year. Six home runs given up over the course of 31 innings. Opponents overall, they're getting a 297 off of him, and you just take a look at him on the road this year and four starts. A 12 ERA in 15 innings. It's not too terrific. Now you go back to 2021 and he wound up having a 303 road ERA, but I mean, last year he wound up getting really lucky. He wound up giving up 23 home runs and earned 24 and a third innings and yet had a 384 ERA and a 12 and 5 record. That just did not wind up adding up, and he is right now paying for those sins. Now, you take a look at the Cleveland Guardians, and their bullpen has been lights out. You've been able to have some very good pitching from Emmanuel Class A. He is just absolutely nasty. Aniel de los Santos, sub 3 ERA. Eli Morgan, same entities. Pair of failures as starters have gone to the bullpen. They have been terrific. And for the Cleveland Guardians, they're the team that strikes out the least on a prep-at basis out there in the big leagues, and you've got a guy by the name of Jose Ramirez, who has been absolutely supreme for this team. Now, he has been dealing with a little bit of a thumb injury, but should be able to come back in this game. 300 batting average. He currently is second in the league in RBI, 16 home runs, so that has been incredible, but I mean, a lot of his home runs may become two and three run shots because guys behind him are able to get on base. Oscar Gonzalez, he's hitting a 340 for this team, and then you take a look at Josh Naylor, Andres Jimenez, Stephen Kwan, all these guys in between a 340 to a 355 in terms of their on base. Jimenez, 300 batting average. Richie Palaceros has been able to hit right around 290. Owen Miller sitting at 260. Amit Rosario, 265. So, I mean, the list goes on and on. And then take a look at the flip side for the Minnesota Twins. And Byron Buxton, when fully healthy, has been terrific. There was a stretch in the month of May that he wasn't healthy. He wound up having three hits in a combined 12 games. You take a look at him, and he's getting a home run every about 10 and a half or so. I bet it's had a little bit of a 
tough series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. They had to miss one of those games, but I mean, that said, 19 bombs. He's been able to do a solid job of being able to hit right around about a 233, which, like I said, much of that was due to that bad stretch that he wound up having in the month of May. Here in June, he's hitting a 300. This is more of the Byron Buxton that we all know and love, Luis Arias. He's been able to do a great job getting on base. He's hitting a 360 for this bunch. Ode Palanco has been a little bit up and down. He's hitting a 245. Looks like he's probably going to be out for this game as well as he wound up getting placed on the injured list about a week or so ago, but you still got Carlos Correa hitting a 295. And for the bullpen, a little bit topsy-turvy for the Minnesota Twins. You've got guys like a Jarrell Cotton and Yohan Duran, who you're able to rely upon both of these guys. Sub-275 ERA, Emilio Pagan is back at full, but Ty Duffy, it's not been great north of a 5 ERA for him. Joe Smith is starting to regress a kill. Theobar, there's no trusting in him whatsoever. So, this is a spot in which I do wind up saying the Minnesota Twins had a pitcher-friendly ballpark at minus 167 on the money line, plus 113, laying a run and half in. 7 half or less, looking over 8 or higher to the under as we go to 919-920 and the DK Nation pick as the Toronto Blue Jays are on the road facing off against the Chicago White Sox. Still in cease and desist is going to be going for the Southsiders and Kevin Gosman is going to be on the bump for Toronto. Toronto's between a minus 125 to a minus 130 favorite and if you like the Sox you're going to be getting them and we're doing plus 110 and plus 120. 8.5 to 9 is your total on the 9. Under is minus 120 and the over is even. On the 8.5 over is any between minus 120 minus 130. The under is any between even and plus 110. It doesn't matter if you've got an 8.5 or a 9. I'll be writing this up whether it be an 8.5 or a 9 looking at late night line movement but I set my total at 7.2. I'm taking a look at the under in this spot with the DK Nation pick and I am willing to lay up to a minus 135 with the Blue Chase because you take a look at Gosman and his fielding independent is right around 0.75 points lower than his ERA, which is still relatively low at a 321. He's given up just two home runs and 73 innings thus far this season. Strikeouts per nine rate is 10. His walks per nine rate is hovering right around a 1.4. So this guy's been masterful. And if Dylan Cease can just rein it in with the walks, he's got himself a very nice future as he's given up four and a half walks per nine innings, but he's been going over his strikeout prop consistently all season. Long, I believe eight out of his last 10 starts is wound up going over. He had a little bit of a tough time at home. He wound up having a bad start against Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees at home, but by and large, 291. ERA, that strikeouts per nine rate, is hovering right around 12. Opponents are a 224 off of him. He's given up five home runs in 65 innings, so he's been able to do a nice job now for the White Sox going into what we wound up seeing on Monday. This team had been able to score four-plus runs in six out of their last eight games, and it does feel like they're starting to figure things out a little bit more. as had a very bad start to the season, and do note that they always hit lefties better than righties. Against left-handed pitching, they hit nearly a 300. That drops by between 60 and 65 points when they wind up going up against a right-hander, and they do now have Tim Anderson back in the fold. He's hitting at 360 for this team. Andrew Vaughn has been able to 320. He's been able to supply a little bit of power and 30 RBI and Luis Robert right around at 290. Still have a couple guys towards the bottom, like an Adam Engel, Josh Harrison. They need to figure it out, but Jose Abreu, A.J. Pollock, over the last 30 days, these guys are hitting above a 300. They've been able to hit over a 260 for the season. And for the Blue Jays, after they wound up having a little bit of a rough go of it with their bats, all of a sudden they are back. Flagger Jr., George Springer, along with Bo Bichette, throwing their Remy Altapia, only in between about a 255 to a 265 with Flagger Jr. He's been able to supply 17 bombs thus far this season. Springer, 13. Alejandro Kirk, he's hitting above a 300 for the team as well. Santiago Spinell has been able to get on base, and you do run the risk with both of these bullpens. As the Blue Jays, they don't have a 
lot of guys there. You're able to rely upon Adam Simber, a sub 25 ERA, Yimi Garcia has been able to pick it up along Tim Mesa, but Trent Thornton now north of a four ERA has really been going badly for Trevor Richards. I think that he has been either DFA'd or he is on the injured list because I knew he was posting up a six ERA. He was a gas cannon for the Chicago White Sox. Joel Kelly has been absolutely terrible for this team. Liam Hendricks is currently dealing with a little bit of an injury. Jimmy Lambert is right now seeing innings for this team. That's not too great. You have been able to have Kendall Graveman do a terrific job for this team, in my opinion. Jose Ruiz, he has had a rough go of it this season with a five ERA himself, so it certainly is a little bit of a roll of the dice there, but I do think that Dylan Cease, Kevin Gosman, both going to be able to come out, both going to be able to team sort of these offenses here, so I did wind up saying my total very low at 7.2. I'm looking at the under. I think both these guys keep the ball in the yard of the Blue Jays. Wanted to lay up to a minus 135, so looking Blue Jays, I'm with the DK Nation pick. The write-up is going to be on the under. 921-922 on the betting board. The LA Angels are going to be playing against the Kansas City Royals as John Heasley is going to be on the bump for the Royals, and Reed Detmers is going to be on the bump for LA. LA is finding themselves in between minus 165 and minus 175 favorites. Between plus 150 and plus 158 is your price on Kansas City. Nine is your total. The over and the under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And with Detmers and company, set the Angels at a minus 176. And if you're looking to lay a run and half pretty much across the board at a plus 115, I was willing to take a plus 108 or greater. So I'm going to look to reduce the juice especially with the lack of command that John Easley has had all season long. 20 walks and 36 in the third innings, and the Angels, they were able to get things going towards back half of their series against the Seattle Mariners. Now, by no means do I think that this team is back, and I don't even think that Reed Detmers is good. He threw that no-hitter against the Rays this season, but I do think that that was a little bit fluky. He himself doesn't get a lot of swings and misses. Right around six strikeouts per nine innings. He's given up in the pocket about 1.6 home runs per nine innings, and he's been just all over the place. You take a look at his last six starts, that no-hitter against the Rays gives up three runs in three and two-thirds innings against Texas. He goes against Texas again, giving up five runs in six innings, four and a third scoreless against the Yankees, four and a third scoreless against the Boston Red Sox, and then goes four runs in three and two-thirds innings against the LA Dodgers. So he has been absolutely all over the place with Detmers, 270 O'Meary, 686 Rodier. I think that there's regression coming in from at home as he's averaging four and a half strikeouts per nine innings at home, and yet opponents are a buck 40 off of him. So that is something that I think is going to change in for Johnny Easley. I mean, he should have worse than a 376 ERA right now. He's getting right around seven strikeouts per nine innings. He's given up right around a home run and a half per nine innings. Walks per nine rate is north of a five. Last two starts, combined 11 innings against the Orioles and the San Francisco Giants. Two's credit, just two walks, 11 strikeouts, and given up just two runs in those starts. I do think that he's been better in those starts, but still, he's backed up by a bullpen that is in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of ERA. Josh Shamon has had a sub-3 ERA over the last three days. Scott Barlow has been a steady Eddie guy for the team right around a buck 55 ERA. And Jose Cuas has been able to give you some good innings, but Taylor Clark has a 5 ERA. Dylan Coleman has not been too great. Amir Garrett, I have no idea why they signed him. As north of a 6 ERA, he's been absolutely terrible. And then you take a look at the Angels, and you've got Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapero, Rossi Iglesias, all posting up at least a 370 ERA. Jose has been one of their best relievers thus far this season. Jimmy Ergut has been able to give you a little bit of something, but take a look at both of these lineups. And with the Royals, they actually have been able to score some runs recently, four plus runs, and believe now eight out of their last 13 games. 
MJ Melendez, Hunter Dozier are both hitting right around 255. Michael A. Taylor running. He's been out there. He's been hitting right around 270. And Andrew Benatendi selling at 295 with Merrifield. Bobby Witt Jr. They've been up and down. Merrifield hitting about a 230. Witt Jr. a 240. I remember he had a stretch in the month of May in which he had an RBI in seven straight games. So things are starting to iron out with him. And then you take a look at this LA Angels team. And Gerald Walsh, Shoy Otani, a combined 25 home runs. Both guys hitting between about a 250 to a 255. Brandon Marsh is hitting nearly a 250. And then Taylor Ward is back. Double-digit amount of homers since coming off the injured list hasn't been himself overall for the season a four and on base with 10 home runs but you take a look at what he's done ever since he wanted coming off the injured list about a buck 85 era in the last three days so that's a little bit of an issue Mike Trout he's out of his funk 21 home runs hitting at 290 so he has been terrific so I do think that we are certainly going to be seeing the scoreboard get lit up quite a bit I think that the Angels have a lot more firepower here than the Kansas City Royals and what I think is going to be a relatively high scoring affair I'm going to be taking a look at the run line of the LA Angels taking a little bit of a plus price and with regards to the total set it at a 9.2 so looking at the 9 over as well 923 924 on the big board the Oakland A's are going to be playing LC Seattle Mariners as one Marco Gonzalez going to be going for Seattle and James Caprillion the gap is on the bump for Oakland minus 135 to minus 145 is your price on Seattle anywhere between plus 125 and plus 130 is the price on Oakland 7.5 is your total over is anywhere between minus 115 to minus 120 the under is anywhere between even to minus 105 with the Mariners, was willing to lay up to a minus 132 with them. If you take a look at the run line, try to be able to reduce the juice, you're able to find it right now at the Westgate at a plus 135. I was willing to take anything of a plus 143, so that's out for me. But if you're looking more at DraftKings, you're finding minus 140 on getting a run and half with the Oakland A's, and I'd be willing to lay actually a minus 145-ish on this. So as of current numbers, I'm going to be waiting on this overnight because we did wind up seeing the Mariners open up more around a minus 145, and they are dropping. I'm actually seeing them now at a minus 133. But at current numbers, I'd be looking at Oakland being able to get a run and half at right around a minus 140. That said, it does look like this is going to fit into me being able to play these Seattle Mariners. So I'm going to be waiting overnight on this. But with that said, with the total set it out a little bit over an eight, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. And for James Caprillion, just has not necessarily been the world's greatest season from 631 ERA, 0-4 record. He's given up over two home runs per nine innings. He's not getting a lot of swings and misses. Right around six half strikeouts per nine innings. Walks per nine rate. Hovering right in the pocket about four. That's not good. And for Marco Gonzalez, this is a guy that has always been prone to giving up the deep ball. And shock, shock, surprise, surprise. He's got a home runs per nine rate that's above a one and a half this year. And what has really been earning Marco Gonzalez is that typically the command is very good for him. Right now, he's giving up right around three and a half walks per nine innings. He needs to tone that down a little bit. Home and roadie has been relatively consistent. 354 road area, 332 home area. Six home runs give it up in both environments. So he's pitched fewer innings on the road. But I do take a look at the Seattle team. And all of a sudden, the concern for the team is the offense. They have scored two runs or fewer. And now I'm not even kidding here. Five out of their last six games. And I believe eight out of their last 11. It's not going well. And Eugenio Suarez, he's been able to give the team 12 home runs. He's got an on-base percentage. It's right around a 320. Ty France has been able to get on base along J.P. Crawford. Crawford hitting right around 285. Ty France, he's hitting a 315. He's able to supply 44 RBI. Julio Rodriguez, he has been one of the best base healers out there in the big leagues. He's hitting a 265. But got a couple guys that are not living up to their billing. Adam Frazier, Jesse Winker, both of these guys badly underachieving, especially Winker hitting just a 210. Dylan Moore, Cal Raleigh, these guys have been unable to get on base. And for the Mariners, they were really powered by their bullpen to be able to have that big 
big season last year. Diego Casillo, thus far this season, he's been posting up in ERA. That's north of a five-year second rider was so bad he got DFA'd. Paul Sewell, that's actually been solid. He and Eric Swanson posting up sub-three ERA. Swanson wanted missing much of the season. He's back in the fold and for the Oakland A's. After a good start to the season, this is now a bottom eight bullpen. In terms of ERA, Danny Jimenez, he was posting up a sub-two ERA for much of the season. That is now north of a four. Sam Ball, AJ Puck, both have sub-two ERAs. And Zach Jackson, maybe we'll give you some okay innings right around a 3-5-ish ERA, but things are starting to regress there. And for the Oakland A's, can someone, anyone, please get on base for this team? You don't have a single player with a double-digit amount of homers right now. And right now, the only player that has been seeing more than 20 plate appearances that has a batting average above a 2 40 is Christian Bethencourt and Chad Pender both hitting at 248. I mean, it's just absolutely terrible what we've seen out of the team. They have no power. They have nobody that's able to move the line. They don't draw walks. They don't do much of anything. Now, part of this is because they do play in Oakland where the marine layer is out during the nighttime and it's really hard to be able to like, get deep flies, but still, this is pretty unacceptable for the team. So, seeing what we're seeing right now, I'm seeing the Seattle Mariners at a minus 133 in one book. I would need this to go down about a penny or two, but let's all set it on. I do anticipate this being a Seattle Mariners Money line play for me would be willing to be open to the Oakland A's getting a run in F as well in a relatively tight game as well. But with that said, eight or less, I'm looking at the over and seeing the total at seven F. We're looking at the over and most likely going to be playing the Seattle Mariners with line movement 925 926 on the betting board. It's Washington Nationals hitting the road face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Eric Fetty Wap on the bump for the Nationals. For the Orioles, it's to be determined. All depends upon if Jordan Lyles is back from his stomach ailment or not. So this is a game that's off the board. If it is Jordan Lyles, against Eric Fetty Wap. Set the Orioles at a minus 133, and nine or less will be looking at an over 9.5 or higher to the under end. If this winds up being a bullpen game, honestly, a bullpen game for the Orioles might be a little bit of an upgrade for me because with the Baltimore Orioles, they've got a top five bullpen in terms of ERA. You take a look at all these guys, and I continue to think that there's going to be a regression with them, maybe because I'm a moron, but with that said, I mean, you've right now got Nick Vespi, Ore Lopez, throw on there Felix Bautista, Sionel Perez, Dylan Tate, all posting up a buck 95 ERA or better. I can't think that this lasts the entire season, but these guys have been flat out terrific for this team. Even Joy Creeble has been able to give you some good innings. Except for Jordan Lyles, he's got a 5 ERA, and he's been giving up the deep ball throughout his career. Gave up 38 bombs last season. This year, he's been able to hold it down a little bit more. 10 home runs in 72 and a third innings, including zero home runs given up at home over the course of 39 and two-thirds innings. I do recognize a revamping of the ballpark in Camden Yards, but that's not sustainable. And then you take a look at Mr. Eric Fetty Wap. 488 ERA. He's always been hurt a little bit by walks. He has been giving up right in the neighborhood about four and a half walks per nine innings thus far this season. It's actually been a little bit better on the road. 471 road ERA compared to a 503 home ERA, but bonus overall, they're hitting right around 275 off of him. He doesn't necessarily get a ton of swings and misses right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And for the Nationals team, you do have guys that are able to put back to ball and are able to get on base. Josh Bell is hitting a 290 for this team. You got both Hernandez's in Yadiel and Cesar Hernandez. They're in there, Michael Franco and Kibeta Weez all in between about a 254 to a 270. You've had some good power from Juan Soto. He's been able to give you 14 home runs, but he's hitting just a 218 with a 367 on base. Many people thought that he was a front runner for MVP coming into the year. Good thing I did not fall into that trap because he was on a poopy team to start with. And then you do have Nelson Cruz. He's been hitting a 330 over the last three days, so he's been wide out for the team. But for the Washington Nationals, nobody that you could rely upon in this bullpen. They bring in Corey Abbott and Reed Garrett to try to, and I air quotes here, fortify things. That's not great. Carl Edwards Jr. has actually been able to give you some relatively solid innings, but Andres Machado, 
Francisco Perez, north of a 4 ERA. Victor Arano wound up being a failure for this team. Kyle Finnegan has been all over the place. So that is something that is an issue. And for the Baltimore Orioles, all of a sudden, this team has been able to get hot with the bat as Trey Boom Boom Mancini, Austin the Say's kid, along with Ryan Mountcastle, all in between about a 269 to a 283. And Richie Martin is sitting at 267 as well. Mountcastle and Anthony Santander have both been able to give you 12 home runs. Cedric Mullins, who wound up being like a silver slugger last season, he wound up having a rough start to begin the season, but he's, over the last 15 days, been able to hit right around a 300. He's starting to pick it up a little bit as well. So, if it is Lyles versus Eric Fetty, wound up making the Orioles minus 133 on the money line, 9 or less to the over 9.5 or to the under, and honestly, bullpen game might be willing to upgrade the Orioles just a smidge as well. 927-928 on the main board. The Texas Rangers, they're going to be playing us to the Philadelphia Phillies. Says Kyle Gibson is going to be on the bump for the Phils and Martin Bennett is going to be on the bump for Texas. Texas is back to being a slight favorite. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the fills, going to be finding them anywhere between minus 105 and a plus 105. 8.5 is your total. Juice is all over the place. The over and the under. Anywhere between even and minus 120. And when it comes to Texas, wound up setting them at a minus 106. So, right now, the minus 105 pick'em prices, that's about the max I'm willing to lay on Texas, but seeing the minus 105, that is calling my name, and I'm going to be looking at the under. I set my total at 7.9. You've had a Texas Rangers team that been up and down with the bat saying you were just expecting a little bit more out of Marcus Simeon along Corey Seager. Now, for Seager, he's been able to do a nice job of being able to supply the boom, being able to go yard as he's got, I believe, 14 to 15 home runs thus far this season, but he's sitting at 230. Marcus Simeon is sort of in that same pocket, though I will say, Adolis Garcia, he has really been able to heat up for the team overall for the season, hitting at 253 with 13 home runs, but take a look at what the man has been able to do over the last 30 days. 315 batting average, and he's got 7 home runs and 21 RBI, so he's been able to do a nice job, and you do have guys at the catcher spot like Sam Huff, Jonah Heimu been able to do a halfway decent job, Cole Calhoun has really seen a little bit of a drop-off, and he's been a little bit banged up, but with that said, you've also been able to have a couple other guys like Ezekiel Duran hitting a 290, be able to step up, Zach Reeks has been able to give you some good at-bats, and for the Rangers, this has been one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues ever since, I would say, the first three weeks of the season. It's been a top-ten bullpen, Dennis Santana, a sub-2 ERA of Brock Burke, Joe Barlow has had his ups and downs recently, but still has been able to be a relatively good bullpen piece, John King. It's been going a little bit rough for him, but Matt Moore has been able to to reinvent himself. 237 ERA on the bullpen. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, Brad and Corey Canable, these guys are relatively solid. And you've been able to have Connor Brogdon do a nice job holding down the fort with a 215 ERA, but Jersich Familia has been better recently. I still don't trust in Nick Nelson right around a 5-ish ERA. And then when it comes to this Philadelphia Phillies lineup, you've had Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber really being able to supply the boom. Schwarber, 18 home runs. Batting average July at a 213, but a 343 on base. Harper is hitting a 326. He's been able to go to 15 times. And a lot of guys sort of inning in that neighborhood of right around about a 245 to a 255. You want Camargo, Alec Baum, Nick Cassianos, Reese Hoskins, and for Reese Hoskins, talk about a guy that's starting to heat up over the last 15 days. He's hitting for a 455 on base, 370 batting average with five home runs. So ever since the managerial change, he has really been able to come to play. And for Martin Perez, he has given up two runs or fewer in nine out of his last 10 starts, 210 ERA. Now, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here to two home runs given up in 81 and two-thirds innings. But what has really been good from the walks. He's given up two walks per nine innings. It's actually been a little bit worse at home this season. 245 home ERA, buck 76 road ERA, but he has been able to do a nice job being able to induce some soft contact. And for Kyle Gibson, he actually was a part of the Texas Rangers last year before being a trade deadline deal. The Texas Rangers got Spencer Howard, and thus they wound up getting something more useless than a bag of gravel. And for Kyle Gibson, 
He's been struggling on the road. 570 road ERA, though. I do think that pitching in Texas last year is actually going to be able to help him out in this spot because he's always been a guy with pretty demonstrative home and road splits overall for the season. Bowen starting at 248 off of him. He's been able to lessen the walks. Right around 2.5 walks per 9 innings, giving up right around .9 home runs per 9 innings. So I do think that the Rangers should be a slight favorite. I'm willing to lay the minus 105 that I see right now and add an 8.5. Going to be taking a look at the under as well. We wrap things up with 929-930 on the bang board. The Houston Astros are going to be playing us in the New York Mets. Trevor Williams going to be going for the Mets and Jose Arikidi on the up for Houston. Houston has found themselves between a minus 126 to a minus 135 favorite. And between plus 115 and plus 120 is your price on the Metropolitans with 9 being your total overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The unders anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And with Houston, I did wind up setting them a minus 146 favorite. With Trevor Williams, he's been able to lend some relatively solid starts. I've actually liked him more out there in a more relief role. He's got a sub-3 ERA whenever he does wind up coming out of the bullpen. So that is something to take a look at. Only giving up one home run per nine innings. And the command has been solid right around two walks per nine innings as well. Not a guy that's going to lend a lot of length. I don't think that he's went past five innings this season because he's just been thrown all over the place. One day he's going to be a starter. Next day he's going to be a long reliever. He's just been sort of the super utility guy. And on the road in his seven total appearances, he's allowed a 450 ERA with a bonus thing at 272 off of him. So that is a bit of an issue with him. He's a little bit more of a fly ball guy. Not necessarily getting a ton of strikeouts thus far this season as He's been getting right around eight punch outs per nine innings. And then you take a look at Jose Arikidi. He's never necessarily been a big swing and miss guy, but he did wind up having a pretty electrifying start a few weeks ago in which he was able to get 10 strikeouts against the Texas Rangers at home. Now he seems to somewhat own the Texas Rangers, but with that said, you take a look at him at home. 278 home area, 628 road area. Very different pitcher whenever he is out there in Houston. He's been a little bit unlucky with the deep ball, giving up right around two home runs per nine innings. He's also giving up just two walks per nine innings. Opponents taking a 313 off of him. I do think that that's going to regress a little bit. And then you take a look at this Astros lineup, and you still got the boom squad for the team as Jordan Alvarez. 311 batting average, 18 home runs, north of a 400 on base. He's still got a double digit amount of homers out of Jose Altuve, Jeremy Pena. He's been on the injured list, but these two guys have been hitting right around at 275. Yuli Gurriel's had a little bit of a rough year, along with Alex Bregman, Chaz McCormick, the entirety of the catcher spot, Jose Siri, all these guys hitting at 225 or lower, along with Elamendi Cs. That's been a little bit of an issue, but Michael Brantley still getting on base consistently with a 380 on base. And the Mets, they lead the league in terms of both batting average and on base percentage. You gotta wonder if them having to play yesterday while the Astros had a day off. Is that it's going to affect them a little bit? Pepita Alonso last season led all big league players in home runs on the road. He's already got 19 home runs this season. That's towards the top of the National League. And just have a lot of guys in general getting on base. Alonso sitting right around a 275. Sterling Marte, Marcana, both of these guys sitting between about a 282 and a 295. Francisco Lindor and Eduardo Escobar have really been the weak links with regards to being able to get on base. But Lindor has been able to provide 52 RBI. And Eduardo Escobar about two weeks ago wound up hitting for the cycle. Mets are a little bit up and down with regards to their bullpen. Adonis Medina is actually someone that I do like for this team. Drew Smith has been able to provide a two area, but Jason Shreve, Julie Rodriguez, they've had ups and downs with Edwin Diaz being a good closer. And for the Astros, number one team in terms of bullpen here, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression with Ryan Sanic posting up a sub one ERA. Rafael Montero, it's been a little bit more rough recently, but he still has right around two ish ERA. Ryan Presley, one of the best closers that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. Phil Maiton has been relatively solid for this team as well. So it is a spot in which I'm going to be willing to take the Astros here. 
want to make them a minus 146 favorite. And I did want to make this total an 8.8. Houston has played over two thirds of their games to the under because the bullpen has been so good. And Jose Arikiti, he's been able to perform very well at home. And the Astros offense seems to be down a little bit. So looking at the under and looking at the Astros, and now we'll wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. A big thanks to Jeff Parles over here at VEASAN for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore one Keep in mind, letters CM. Maybe it does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.